We're here with the Shore Sports Network podcast, and we have a special guest today to my left, your right on the screen. This is Brian Golub. He is the now former coach of Freehold Township Boys Basketball. This is his first year uh, not being a head coach. And how many years now? I can't do the math that quickly. It's 28 and 31 total for uh, three as an assistant. So this is the first time in 31 years. How is that going? I know you've been to gym, so like you're you're in the mix. You're watching games from the stands, so it's not. I imagine it's not the same. But how are you finding that vantage point? A lot more fun. A uh, <laughs> lot, lot less stressful. Um, I still love the game. I still love being around the game. Um, you know, getting the opportunity to go and watch games from a different perspective. Uh, definitely enjoyable. I'll, I'll be popping up in gyms around the shore and around the state. Um, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it immensely. Uh, one of my former colleagues when I was in the township gym a couple weeks ago looked at me and said, I thought you retired. And I said, I did. The difference is I'm here because I want to be here, not because I have to be here. So um, I'm loving it. Life's good. Well, how I'm sure you wanted to be at uh, most of your games that you coach. I'm sure there's a few you could think of that, boy, I, I would have rather not been there that day. But uh, you seem like a guy who was – like, this is not – you popping up at games is not like a new thing. You were a guy who, like, if we were talking about shore conference tournament seating, if we were talking about, like, an all-shore, all-state, like, you were a guy that people could go to because you would know, like, oh, Golub saw games. Like, Golub saw teams. You could actually – so this is not, like, a new thing where it's like, well, I have this void in my schedule. Let me fill it by going to games. This is this is a constant for you. No, it, it is. Um, the difference is you don't see me with a pen and pad. Okay, You yes. don't see me with a video camera. Um, mostly the pen and pad. I was kind of old school when it came to scouting. Um, I liked, you know, video exchange is a beautiful thing, but I liked walking on the court and actually standing next to some of these kids. And, you know, when you get listed at 6'5 in the program, was it a legit 6'5 <laughs> or was it really 6'2? You know, 200 pounds or was it really 170 pounds? So I liked, you know, getting a feel for what the opposition was. And I just enjoyed watching good games if we weren't involved and, you know, even if we weren't playing a team, yeah, I did. I, I got out because a lot of years I was on the uh, seating committee for the Shore Conference, and one of the obligations that you were kind of asked to go out and see other games. And I, you know, I took that like I took just about everything else in coaching fairly seriously, and I like to get out and see the, you know, the games and, you know, be able to give my all to the seating committee and be as accurate and as professional as I could. Yeah, and I remember, like, you know, you could go scout teams for maybe a team you're going to play or, like, you say, oh, maybe I'll go see this kid because he's in the area. He's closer to where I live. I don't have to take the drive. Uh, but one game I remember seeing you and Todd Smith, who's your longtime assistant now, the head coach at Freehold Township. I remember, like, being on the sideline or the baseline for the Randy Montverde game. And I looking up there, I'm like, oh, Todd and Brian are here. Like, that was – like, you know, you guys can run into Randy. I think you did run into Randy that we year. We did. Um, but you certainly knew what they had, and I don't think uh, the way they played Montverde was going to be the way they played Freehold Township. So that that sticks out to me as a game. You were just like, "Well, we got to go see this." That's and you want to see like, "Let's is Cade Cunningham legit six seven? Oh yeah, he is." <laughs> You're listening to the Shore Sports Network podcast, brought to you by our partners at A Sub Above Jersey Mike's, a longtime supporter of Shore Conference Athletics. Follow along at ShoreSportsNetwork.com, where you can find the Jersey Mike's Team of the Week. Now back to Matt Manley on the Shore Sports Network podcast. 
Yeah, well, no, you're right. We did go up to Kane College, that university, that day and watch that game. And actually, it was pretty cool because I got to sit with Mitch Richmond for a little bit. Oh, yeah. Who, yeah. Was, who was there um, with Chris Mullen. But, um, no, unfortunately, Ranny did not play us the way they played Mount Verde <laughs> that day um, because they lost that day and they beat us a little bit later on in the season. That was a very good Ranny team. And, um, no, but be able to see games like that, um, you know, that that's something I still love to do. That That's a different – you know, I coached in the Shore Conference for a long time, and I like to think it was pretty good basketball. But when when you're going to take a team like the Ranny team that year and Mount Verde just about any year, that that's elite, elite high school basketball. And getting an opportunity to go watch those kids play and, you know, pretend you're the coach and what would you do differently or – you know, sitting up in the bleachers watching, you know, what they're doing to each other, what adjustments you would make. And, and those are things that went through my mind in a lot of games like that, just trying to become a better coach myself and, and trying to learn from those games, seeing what, you know, Coach Holden was doing, seeing what uh, Coach Boyle was doing, and try to put it all together and become better at what I do. Yeah, and I guess that's a good jumping off point with the Randy team because – you know, whether we're talking about, like, the short conference this year or whether we're talking about, like, the pinnacle of Freehold Township when you were there. Like, you guys had a short conference championship team in 07. You won a state sectional title, got to a group final uh, toward the end of your tenure there. Um, I guess we'll start, like, in the now because you saw a lot of that Randy team. You played against them. Um, you guys didn't run into St. Rose last year. Um and you probably, I don't know if you've seen them this year yet, but do you have like a frame of reference enough? Have you seen them enough to say like where they compare to some of the best teams that have been around? Randy's the one that comes to mind for me because you have that high D1 talent. Like where does that, the St. Rose team from what you've seen stack up against some of the better teams that you've seen? Um, I, I saw St. Rose a couple times last year. Uh, Same personnel, I mean, good. it's a year better. Yeah, it's yeah. a year better, but you know, and. And, and this is something in sports in general. When, when you take a lot of kids that, you know, m you mentioned my one state championship team. Those guys are playing together since fourth grade. Um, they grew up together. There was a chemistry uh, that came in. That's definitely not my most talented team of all time. Um, but they're my best team of all time. Uh, the way they played together, meshed together, uh, communicated on and off the court. So when, when you take a team like that St. Rose team of last year, um, it's not even all short conference kids trying to blend to form a team. Um, you know, it's kids from literally all over the globe and different, different ways of playing the game. I mean, the European game is definitely not the same as the American game and now trying to incorporate all of that. So um, I'm not surprised that they didn't win last year. By win, I mean win it all. Um, this year, I would be very surprised after having a summer together, after having a season together, having the whole team back, and, and they have some elite, special talent players on that team. Um, the younger Hodge went from being a, a young man that looked like a freshman to now he just looks like a man. He is he is um, he's grown all of them though the the team as a whole um, I saw them at Freehold Borough earlier this year um, there, there's a difference there, there's a different swagger there, there's a difference they're going to be a tough out in every tournament and what they just did um, 
in the Christmas tournament to a very talented team up north. Um, you know, I think they're making a statement. I think the St. Patrick's game or the Patrick School game might have been a wake-up call that, yeah. you know, to the coaches as well as the players that, you know, if we really want to do this and make this run through the entire state, we, we got to be on top of our game every night because, you know, not that I ever lived it, but they definitely have a target on their back uh, more than just the Shore Conference, but throughout the entire state. Yeah. And they're going to get everybody's best effort. Yeah, the state seems to know them more. Like last year it was like, oh, there's, mm -hmm. you know, St. Rose is this up-and-coming team. We know about this Hodge kid, but, I mean, he's now he's a Nova commit. He's a, you know, he's played in the state before. He's been an All-State kid, so that's, you know, it, like you said, people know who that team is now. Without a doubt. And they're led by a, a coach that yeah. everybody knows, you know, yep. from his CBA and beyond days. Um, he's played in those games. And now and he's, he's like the, like you mentioned, trying to fuse the American and the European game. That's him. I mean, yeah, he's, 100%. he's done both. Yep, 100%. So, you know, he, he was a tremendous player. I remember him from CBA. Um, did some he was damage. there when you first started, right? Yes, we he were was. Just that discussion. Yes, he yeah. was. And, um, you know, he went on to play high level Division One basketball and, you know, play play beyond college. And, you know, now he's, now he's doing the coaching and, and you know he's going to grow as as the kids grow, and he's going to become a better coach. And you know he he's always had a good work ethic, and he's always you know always been positive. And you you can just see it on the sideline. There they're going to be a, a handful and a tough out for just about everybody this year. Um, and you know they're it, they're 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 a legit team. Yeah, and on that subject, you were at a bunch of the WOBM Christmas Classic games, and you made the rounds seeing a bunch of teams so I wonder from what you've seen this year is there a team I don't want to say that you think can beat them I think looking at the you know you stack up anybody on paper against St. Rose St. Rose is going to come out in front is there a team you've seen that you think you know maybe if we game planned it just right we could make them you know tighten up a little bit in the fourth quarter and and make this thing interesting I, I think that the one team that definitely could have, and unfortunately they won't be healthy enough to do it, would be a healthy Manasquan team. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, Todd, before, Todd Smith, my longtime assistant, now the head coach at Freehold Township, we, talk, we still talk a lot about this kind of stuff, and we would have loved to have seen a healthy Manasquan team. Um, it's you kind know, of what you had last year. Yeah, it would have been. We never got that matchup in know, the playoffs. Right. But. It, I think that... I think that would have been an interesting game. Um, just, you know, Coach Billado brings a whole lot of different things to the table. Um, and if his team was intact with his point guard and his three, um, I'm not saying they're going to beat St. Rose, but I'm saying they would be the team that would definitely have the opportunity to do so healthy. And, and I'm taking nothing away from the current Manasquan team because by the time that time of year rolls around, um, I wouldn't put anything past uh, Coach Bilodeau and, and his teams because they've pulled off some pretty amazing feats in the last few years. Yeah, and they definitely like the fact that people like me are kind of saying St. Rose. It would be oh. kind of shocking if St. Rose lost. And you kind of just mm -hmm. intimated it there. If they lose, it would be it would be pretty extraordinary by whoever beat them. And I know for a fact that the Manasquan people, particularly their coach, Andrew Bilodeau, likes the fact that they can He's play not, that card this year. It is not like the last couple of years where they were the favorite. Yeah, coach. Coach probably doesn't 
want anything to do with any of the hype or any no. of the thing around him. He he dislikes that as as much as I did, <laughs> um, even more so. And he he would tell you right now. You know, we used to go into seating meetings for the Christmas tournament, and he said, "Yeah, this team has the potential to be good, but right now we're not." And um, that's what he would probably tell you about his current team. We all stink right now. We that's, all. That every, was, that's that was his, that's his that's his, that's his quote. Um, you know, and I, I by far, Manasquan doesn't stink, and I never did. <laughs> it's all relative. But that would just be what from what his expectations, which is part of the reason they have the success they have, is because he never allows them, you know, to settle. He never allows them to lower the bar, and he's always raising that bar and challenging them to to meet certain goals and things to that nature. And, you know, if you see him and you wish him luck, he'll basically say, say a prayer for us. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Coach, I said a prayer for you guys, and I wish you well this season. Um, the team that beat them was Tom's River North. And I wanted to ask you this question because I feel like you'll have pretty good insight in this. And it's an observation I made. It's kind of anecdotal. I don't have the exact stats on it. But, like, I watched – they beat Colts Neck, Central – and, and Manasquan in consecutive games, three very good teams. But what stuck out to me is you had four players in those games. You had Mike Belcher and Vova Trotsko on Colts Neck. Mm-hmm. You had Jason Santucci on Central, and you had Griffin Lindstra on uh, Manasquan. And all four of them in that game missed a remarkable amount of layups. Is that a coincidence against Tom River North? No, that that's an extremely athletic team. Um, See, the thing about Tom's River North, that, that, that's a special group of kids. Um, when you look at them and, you know, you start with Micah um, and, and the career he's had, basketball is the kid's second sport. He's an outstanding football player. And, and you know, again, well-coached team, full of Division One athletes, not yeah. basketball athletes, but Division One athletes Whatever, yeah. that are challenging shots that are making it harder for you to get to your spot, to get the look you want. Um, The challenging shot part, the council kid plays above the rim. Um, You know, I'm not sure of all the kids' names anymore. They kind of all run together. But when you just look at a team that just won a Group 5 state championship in football and you're taking three of those kids Mm -hmm. that I know of and then you're putting who I feel is their best basketball player, the the Baker kid. Yeah, um, Baker. He, he's a phenomenal basketball player. Um, when when you're, you know, taking a group like that, it's going to take them a little bit of time. Um, but no, Tom's River North, they're physical, they're athletic, they're talented, they're well coached, and that makes them a tough team to score on because they're they're going to take it personally. Um, they're not used to giving up points in any of the sports they play. Those guys, yeah, and, and they're going to play that to a different level. And they're going to force you to do things you're not necessarily comfortable doing. Those layups that you mentioned or those short jump shots or even the threes, they're going to try to get you off of your comfort level and getting to your quote-unquote spot on the court to score. And they're going to make it tough on you. You're listening to the Shore Sports Network podcast brought to you by our partners at Thrive Spine and Sports Rehab. Our Shore Conference Players of the Week get a free recovery session at Thrive and AJ and the Thrive team have been working some magic on the Shore's top athletes to keep them in tip-top shape. I know this is an ad mid-podcast. However, we truly believe in what Thrive is doing. Not only is it a gorgeous facility in Belmar, they are looking to expand. 
Thrive and Shore Sports will go hand in hand. Go check them out and let them know that Shore Sports Network sent you. Yeah, and that's got to be like as a coach where those like drills with the pads where you're just knocking guys, trying to knock guys into the padding. Uh, or I'm into the not front. sure I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't know that one? Uh, hitting kids with pads. <laughs> well, no. no not, well, in 2024, it's 2024 now. No, no those, those pads. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Obviously, I was teasing. But, um, you know, the physicality of practice, you know, that's one of the things that we used to try to focus on is making practice – um, one of our things was practice should be harder so the games are easier. That's a Coach Smith saying, something he probably got from me 20 years ago, and I just don't remember because I've said it so many times over the years. Practice is to make the games easier. And when you don't have Micah Ford and Council and those kids in your practice against you, no matter how hard you try, you cannot emulate what they're going to bring. And, um, you know, sometimes it's a little surprising. Sometimes the speed of the game. But now play that game forward two months from now, and both, both teams have had a little bit more under their belt. And some of those shots that, you know, they're, they're missing, they might not be missing. Um, you know, a lot comes from experience. And, you know, that Tom Renor team's been together. They've played together multiple sports, multiple years. That Manasquan team, you just took their leader, their point guard, and then you took one of their top scorers, and they're no longer there. So now they're refi- they're refining a new identity, all the kids. And, you know, Coach is going to have his hands full getting them to where he wants, but I wouldn't bet against them at any time during the season. Yeah, that's why you play that game in December. So you're exactly. like, okay, well, we felt it before. Exactly. I, I, you know, we've lost a fair share of final Christmas tournament games, and one of my favorite sayings in the locker room is, it's always nice to win a championship in December. It's nice. And if you do, the other saying was, is this what we're going to hang our hat on, or are we going to find one later in the year? So when you lose a finals, you kind of put it, you know, as a coach, you try to put it in the back of the kid's head. Hey, we were in the finals. That's great. But we didn't win. And if we want to win, what do we have to do differently. And as a coach, I know coach isn't going to do much differently. He's going to continue to watch video all night until wee hours of the morning. He's going to continue to write game plans. He's going to continue to run intense practices. And, you know, it's what the kids decide to do with what they're given. Because no matter how good you do as a coach, you can only go as far as your kid's commitment. Yeah. Man, all those teams... You know, it's a matter of a couple possessions here. It wasn't like they got run out of the gym by Tom's North. I wanted to, I guess we can kind of coast toward the finish on this one because, you know, you've had won a short conference championship, won a sectional championship, played in a state final, um, and you also got really close on a couple games, (laughs) as you probably will remember. Um, you had those the three in a row, three sectional finals in a row the one year. So you, what, when you think back, like what is the difference? Why does a given team, I mean in this case you could speak to your teams, why does a given team, when you've coached so many good teams over the years, why does a given team get over the hump and win it, whether it's the short conference championship or whether it's the sectional title versus maybe other years when it didn't happen? Well, it took me seven times to figure out how not to get outcoached. So I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with that. Um, the, the, there's, there's no easy answer um, to it. We, we, you know, we got there. 
Uh, we fell a little short. I'm not the kind of person that wants to make excuses, and I'll never be the person that's going to blame any of the kids. I'm going to say that we fell upon some bad luck. Um, the 100 and Central game, kid threw a pass to the corner off a baseline drive. Their best player, Fredrickson, um, drove baseline. We helped. He was literally threw the ball from at literally his body was falling out of bounds, and he threw a unconventional pass to a corner where there was nobody. And the kid sprinted to the quarter, caught the ball, and knocked down a three with a it's hand in his 15 face. 15 to our. Uh to Jason or 17 that was in 17 yeah, 15 was Hillsborough 16 was Colts next 15 16 17 okay I was thinking 14 15 16 that's why Jason Gallup Brian's on us here he's one our of the fact reasons. checker um, um, so yes. that that was just bad luck uh, the Colts neck game yeah um, you know the kid made a huge shot with a hand in his face falling away we took away um their, what we thought at the time was their number was one, Lloyd Daniels. Lloyd yeah. Daniels, who I saw over Christmas. It was great seeing him catching yeah. up for a little bit. Um, we doubled him, made him give up the ball. Um, kid caught it, knocked down a shot with our biggest, best defender closing in. Um, all the credit in the world there goes to um, Coach Bacola and Coach Janarone because what people don't know is they subbed in a big kid at the foul line. Um, they uh, the O'Reilly kid missed the free throw, and the big kid that they subbed in yeah. back-tapped it to keep the possession. If that doesn't occur, you know, but a lot of ifs. And um, That's a championship game for you. That's a championship game. So I, I, I don't think in either one of those two we were outplayed. Um, obviously, we lost, so I guess we were outplayed, <laughs> but uh, we ran into some bad luck. Uh, a bad bounce. And the one we did win, you know, it, it was at Trenton. They shot and missed, and we were up a point, and the ball bounced to our kid instead of their kid. So I can go back and say, wow, we caught a break against Trenton. Um, you know, the, the one game that was really bad was my first year as head coach. Um, we were playing a very, very good Trenton team. And um, we were down two or three at halftime. Um, this is back in 95, 96. And that Trenton team was, was really good. They were 6'7", six, 6'9", six, and 6'5". And we, we put in, I've never run the flex offense since. Never ran it before that. But we spread the court and ran flex. And we were in like a 23-21 halftime game. And we were just holding the ball, working for good shots. They went to a 1-3-1 with 6-9, 6-7, and 6-5 across. <laughs> Good luck. Um, we didn't get many shots up, and the ones that we got up didn't go in. They trapped us up top. They trapped us in the corner. They wind up opening up a game. and you know. But all the rest of them, you know, there, there were times we, we definitely had opportunities to win more than the one that we won. And, you know, the team that, that got it, as I mentioned to you before we started talking, that just there was a special chemistry. Um, not my most talented team, but definitely the best team, like as far as team goes. And, um, you know, that game at Trenton, Greg Billups was in foul trouble all game. Yeah. And um, we had guys, Kevin Klinkus and Matt Nonsangelo. Those On kids, the road. Yeah. And Kevin's probably, Kevin Kalinkas is probably the best story of that team. He didn't make team his uh, sophomore year. He was our manager. <laughs> and, um, you know, so... We look back, and he came back out as a junior, and I, Todd and I were talking, this kid's worked so hard. Let's give him a shot. And then by his senior year, 
he was our sixth man, and um, he got some starts, and, and and he's a really good player right now. I've seen him play men's as a man now. He's a really good player. So all of you, like, you know, that Michael Jordan story that have gotten oh, yeah. cut younger, Kevin was cut sophomore year, came back, and was a key, key member, especially when Greg was in foul trouble. Him and Matt Santangelo, two names that most people won't remember that this coach will never forget because without them stepping up, in that Trenton game and making shots and, and grabbing rebounds and being a big key, um, probably don't have a state sectional. Yeah. So. Yeah. How much did that winning that like just because you know I was at the games that you lost in those those championship games and they like every one of them was just like it just you could agonize over it forever if you want to. I think you were winning in the fourth quarter in all of them um, and like but you won the one. So those kids who you had those years didn't get to win it. But I know from just seeing stories like this where a team finally gets over the hump maybe five, six years later, like it matters to those guys who came before. So did you feel that dynamic in, in that year that you guys finally got over the hump where you were like, you almost feel cleansed of that whole history? It, it felt really good. Um, yeah, it felt really good. And I can't tell you how many text messages and phone calls from exactly those people that you're mentioning, uh, Jason and Kyle Sikowski, um, parents, John Sikowski, um, former player Danny Saunders. Danny actually wrote me a text that, that brought me to tears, um, that Todd Smith, uh, I forwarded it to him, and um, you know, just to show them the kind of kids that we've had the opportunity to work with over the years. And Todd actually found a way to print the text and he put it in a frame for me and gave it to me. Cause it's, it's little things like that over the 31 years where, you know, you know, you've made an impact outside of sports. Um, and, you know, like looking back, one of the things like after those wins, you know, the amount of people that reached out, the amount of public um, that, that you know, people not even involved in the program, the town, school community. I, I, it, you realize how lucky you've been. Um, I've been very fortunate to coach a lot of really good basketball players, but I've been really fortunate to coach a lot of really good people. And the network and the families that you know I'm still in touch with the weddings that I'm invited to um, you know I, I, I teased before and you know coach Hardison um, asked me to actually babysit his three kids under the age of three the other day so he can get to a game and stuff but like things like that just the little things the wedding invitations um, the golf invitations now that I'm retired you know just to be around you know kids like like the Brock family you know, professional athletes, Brad and I talk pretty pretty much weekly, if not more. Um, Brett the same way, another professional athlete, you know, going to his wedding, just, just things. Um, and one of the things that is like uh, the, the tradition of the program is that if you look back on all my assistant coaches, with the exception of Todd, um, I would say 95% played for me. Um, and that, that's what allows a really smooth, easy transition, I hope, for Todd, um, that we spent 20 years together. Now it's his turn to take it to even another level, put his stamp on it. 
Um, and he has, you know, Dylan Burns, who played for me, um, Matt Hardison, who played for us, I should say us, and um, the new volunteer assistant, hopefully, to get involved is Seth Meisner off the 2019 team. Yeah. Uh, he's volunteering now. I mean, it goes back, I mean, Damian Chekai, uh, Kevin Scholes, uh, Dave Patterson, the, the amount of people, believe it or not, Todd Briggs was a basketball coach for a short period of time. Yeah. You know, Dave Another Warner. guy coaches everything. Yep, yep. Um, Dave Warner, who um, was my head coach, was an assistant for me as well. Um, and then there are just coaches like the late John DiVincenzo, who meant the world to me as an assistant. Wasn't a basketball guy. He was a tremendous coach. Yeah. And that, that's something I've learned over the years is that I've had the opportunity to work with some great mentors and I hope that I've done a little bit for the younger generation that's coming up now as coaches. I hope I've had some sort of positive for them, um, you know, and, and lead them to, you know, Maddie and Dylan and Todd and Seth now. And, and I hope that, you know, they're not, a, you know, they want to have conversations. They're engaging. They're still asking the questions and, you know, try, trying to help. Just trying to give back a little bit because a lot of people did it for me. Yeah, and you still have a few of the answers, I guess. For uh, now. <laughs> uh, when I don't, I'll give Alan Iverson a quick call <laughs> see if he can help me out. But, yeah, it's, um, yeah. you know, the game has changed. The, the landscape of the game has changed. And, um, you know, I tried to adjust to it as much as I could over the years. And it just it became time where it was wearing and grueling and, you know, having to go home and watch video after game, I just got tired. And, you know, it's a big thank you to Todd because I probably retire five to five to seven years earlier if he doesn't take the load that he took. Um, I like to think that it was a, you know, give and take where he wanted the extra, the practice planning, the videos, all that stuff and um, things to that nature. And I, I think that that helped him prepare to where he's, going to have a much easier time at, as a head coach now than I did back in like 95 because back then as a 27 year old I knew everything and um <laughs> I literally I, or figuratively very much figuratively <laughs> um okay. I thought I, I, I thought I knew everything yeah. and um I realized that there was a lot of learning yeah and um you know still to this day I'm learning I you know, like we talked earlier, when I go to these games, when I go watch Manasquan, I, I'm watching what Bill Lado does. When I, I went to watch Homedell the other day, and the game ended, and after the game, I text Coach Devaney, and I'm like, yo, when can we get together? I want to talk about what you do on. Now that I'm not on the other side, yeah. you know, I want, I'm still looking to learn, still looking to, you know, create, and Sean's run an unbelievable offense at home Dell over the years where the ball just moves and there's constant cutting and constant back doors and things to that nature I I'm just looking to always become a better coach myself so even at 31 years later almost 60 years old I still I still got a lot of learning yeah so um that's something I've definitely learned over the the years for sure yeah, trying to become a better coach, even though you're a retired one. I know you're still doing the the youth, yeah. doing the U nines and and freehold. Which yeah, I got fourth in a f fourth grade team and a yeah. fifth grade team, and you know so you're weaning off of the the addiction. 
No, I don't know. I don't know. I promised my wife that she still has five years of work ahead of her. Yeah. And um, I told her, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, and the grass isn't always greener. So she gets home from work, and I'm still going out a few nights a week and and doing the thing. And we're very happily married 28 years later. And it's because, you know, I coached three sports, and I was never home. (laughs) Because there's no way in the world she would have put up with me for this long if I was home all the time. No. Yeah. Well, at the risk of having you around too long as well, we'll wrap it up. (laughs) I know when the call quits on Brian Gull, too. There you go. Um, Awesome having you here. It's great to see you. I I mean, I I knew I wasn't going to not see you after you stepped down because, you know, you show up at the gym. You could show up at any gym, really. Um, So, yeah, thanks for sharing some time. We probably will want to do this again because... As long as you're seeing games, we're curious to hear what you think about them. So no, I'd be more than happy to chat anytime you want on basketball. Awesome. A little well, less on me, a little more on what's going on. Well, we wanted to get comments. you out of the way today, and we'll. we'll a lot talk. of people have wanted me to get out of the way for a long time. Let's <laughs> say, yep, there we go. All right. Well, uh, thanks for the time, and uh, we'll be seeing you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Shore Sports Network podcast with Matt Manley. Thanks again to our partners at Jersey Mike's and Thrive Spine and Sports Rehab for making this episode possible. See you next time.